Welcome to the Abbot Loop Community Church Podcast. Enjoy this message from Josh Tanner. So we're in the middle of a series in Romans, and uh, this is a fun series. I really like to read verse by verse in the Bible. Um, I, I like to do it at least once a year where we just take a book of the Bible and we just dig in. So we're, we're in Romans. It's called Romans for the rest of us. We're trying to keep this broken down in a way that we all can understand. Where everybody can get it. Where all the common folks like me that come from Nikiski, we can get it, right? If you grow up by a chemical plant, you still need to understand the Bible. So here we go. This is, uh, th- these are some note cards. Everybody needs flashcards to remember things by. So the teaching team put these together. I like them. Um, they weren't my idea, but you know what? I'm the first one to get to use them. I like note cards, right? God's wrath. We learned it's towards sin, not people. God's wrath is made for sin, not people. Amen? God didn't make his wrath for you. It was for sin. Gospel. The gospel, when we refer to the gospel, it's the good news of the hope of glory. Christ in you, the hope of glory. All right? And when we're reading Romans, it's Paul's gospel. His story of the good news, the Christ living in you, the hope of glory. Here's the next one. Grace. This is Mark Drake's bicep. We, we traced it. Bam! You didn't even know he has those kind of guns. Grace, the power of God working in and through you. When you see grace, you want to think that. Next note card. Mark takes bicep. Law. The set of rules that God gave to the Jews through Moses. Not much more complicated than that. Oh, we're going to talk about the law today. It's going to be fun. Next one. Sin. Choosing to disobey God, resulting in separation from relationship with him. We drew a target here so that you remember sin is missing the mark. God in himself, his nature sets the standard of what righteousness is, and everything outside of that is missing the mark, missing his glory, and it's called sin. And sin is deadly. It has a consequence. It actually separates us from him. And the crazy thing is we're born into sin and That's why the title of this message today is You Can Run, But You Can't Hide. You can run, baby, but you can't hide. Your sin is with you. It's in you. You are are found out, son, daughter. He's got you. You can run, but you can't hide. So here we go. Romans chapter 2, verse 1. You therefore have no excuse to you who pass judgment on someone else for at whatever point you judge another you are condemning yourself because you who pass judgment do the same thing pastor mark taught last week about that it's the very nature of god in verse chapter 1 verse 20 that that the nature of everything around us displays the, that god really exists and and no one has an excuse you we all know that god exists even if we try to deny it it's just like everything is so the evidence is so overwhelming right And in this, therefore, we have no excuse. We, since we know God exists here, pass judgment on someone else. For whatever point you judge another, you're condemning yourself because you pass judgment. Do the same thing. This is a crazy thing. And one of the things that we see Paul going after here is he's breaking down some things in their culture. And one is that judgment, how how many know judgment is a part of human nature? And so when it's a part of our nature, then it becomes part of our culture. 
And so it's always trying to crop its ugly head up and, 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 and trying to define us or define our world and, and the way we treat one another around us. But there's another thing at play here is that there's this concept between Jews and Gentiles. And he's talking to the Romans, okay, which is a, primarily a Gentile nation, Rome. But there's Jews everywhere, and there are Jews that are bringing the gospel, and he's trying to correct some of this thinking. And there's even Gentiles that have converted, converted to Judaism and are, are now practicing Judaism. Now what happens is, is that the Jews, they struggled as well with sort of classism and racism thinking in some ways they're better than others because they were first. Okay, and so this is a real thing he's going after because God kind of picked them first through Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. He gives a law to Moses, and then they kind of started to get arrogant and prideful about the law as if the law was going to save them, as if the law was actually, like, helping them. Okay, and so they would say, well, we have the law, and we have Moses. He's like, look, guys, that doesn't make you better than everybody else. And for us as Christians, he's going after all believers, and he goes after Jews and Gentiles alike in this space. All of us. He says, look, it doesn't matter where you come from, who's first or who's second. Sin is sin. It is everywhere, and it's deadly. It is coming for you. And if you start pointing fingers at other people, guess what? You're now pointing fingers at yourself. Yikes. Verse 2. Now we know that God's judgment against those who do such things is based on truth. So when you're a mere human being, or being, come on, being. Sometimes we got to think about ourselves. We're just a being. We're a human being, okay? We're small. Pass judgment on them and yet do the same things. Do you think you're going to escape? judgment god's judgment uh say uh-uh say uh-oh <laughs> you're not gonna escape it you can't escape it you can run but what you can't hide you can try to run from it but you can't hide from it so here's what happens is see god is perfect righteousness he is his nature defines righteousness and so when he looks at our life and he's omnipresent and omniscient, he knows everything, he sees everything. So when he looks at our life and he's perfect and has never sinned and he defines what righteousness and sin is, then he looks at us and he goes, I'm going to tell you the truth. He talks to me this so many times. You got sin in your life. You're kind of missing the mark. Right? Then it, we know it's true. But here's the problem. When I point out to you your sins and your faults, then we got a problem because, because I'm not perfect righteousness. And when we start to turn the tables and look at my life, then all of a sudden we find this giant laundry list of all kinds of things, at least in my heart, that have been done, let alone with my real actions. And you the same. When you start to pass judgment on someone else, you're saying, I know what I want for you. I want you to be judged and pay the price for your sin. But you know what we're actually saying? Is I also want you to be judged and I want me to be judged for the price of my sin. That's going to be awesome. <laughs> that is not going to be awesome. 
what are we thinking? Paul's going like, what are you smoking today? What are you thinking? You need to get off whatever it is you're on that's making you think that's going to be good. It's not going to be good. It never was going to be good. It's bad. Sin is deadly. The price for sin is deadly. Look at what James chapter 2, verse 10 says. For whoever keeps the whole law and yet stumbles at just one point is guilty of breaking it all. So look, when we pass judgment on someone else, there is something that we've done somewhere in our hearts, someplace where we have violated the law, even if it's at one tiniest point. So when I start wanting judgment for you, I'm actually deciding I also want judgment for me. Because you can run, but you can't hide. Verse 4. And this, this hit me like a ton of bricks. I know when you slow down, you start to meditate on the word. It's like the Holy Spirit starts to breathe things in. Just watch this. Or do you show contempt for the riches of his kindness, forbearance and patience, not realizing that God's kindness is intended to lead you to repentance? Whew. Do you know what this word contempt means? It means an attitude of utter disgust or hatred. It's an attitude of utter disgust or hatred for what? Let's go back to verse 4. It says, do you show contempt and utter disgust or hatred, an attitude of disgust or hatred for the riches of God's kindness, patience, and forbearance? Okay, when we start to judge other people, we're, saying, we're showing contempt, hatred for the kindness and the patience of Jesus. This is a heavy, heavy thing. And I, I, I don't know about you, but one, I don't want to be judged for my sin. I certainly don't want you to be judged for your sin. I love you. And you know what? I don't want to show hatred and contempt for the kindness of Jesus. I think about his his mercy, he, he was fully God and he made himself man to rescue us. He didn't make us for wrath. He didn't make us to, to be punished for our sin. He made us to be saved, to be in relationship with him. And so he was so kind and loving that he came and he did everything that was needed to purchase us and to come and rescue us and to be patient with our sin even though he forgives us, we keep sinning and making mistakes. But when we judge and we say, oh, I want that person to experience the punishment of God, we all of a sudden, even for ourselves, we have contempt and hatred for the mercy of God. It's like, you know what? I actually hate what you did for me, Jesus. It's not good enough. I should get punished and they should get punished for the things that we've done. Come on. I don't know about you. But that makes the hair on the back of my neck stand up a little bit. I get a little freaked out thinking, I'm having hatred towards the sacrifice that Jesus made? Yikes. And I don't want to do that. And look at this. It's God's kindness 
that leads us to repentance. We have to realize what is really going on here. It's not the fear of judgment and pain and retribution and wrath of God. It's like, oh, that makes me love you so much. It's God's kindness that's drawing us in. It's like he came and rescued us. You know, you fall in love with your rescuer, don't you, ladies? When the prince comes and rescues the princess from the dragon or the evil ogre or the bad guy, they always fall in love. Why? Because we fall in love with our rescuer because they do an act of kindness and love. They come and pull us up out of our pain, our hurt, our danger. Without Jesus, you being attached to your sin, you are in danger. Sin is dangerous. It's deadly. Are you with me? But it's his kindness and his love that leads us to turn away from that. It's like, I don't have to be attached to that sin because you love me so much and all I have to do is receive you. Verse five. But because of your stubbornness, your unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself for the day of God's wrath when his righteous judgment will be revealed. So now I just want to separate something. We're really talking about people who will not receive Jesus. Their unrepentant heart, they will not just give their life over to Jesus and receive the gift he gave them. Not people that give their heart to Jesus and continue to struggle with sin. Because then that would be all of us. At least in our hearts, right? So we're talking about people that just won't give in to Jesus and then they keep judging other people. So some of this is a real direct like, challenge to Jewish people that wanted to stay under the law and thought they were better than Christians that were giving their hearts to Jesus. That's saying, oh, well, you don't have a law. You, the laws, you know, you're going to be judged and yeah, you're not living up to this standard. And you're not following all the laws and all the extra laws we make. And they start judging everybody. Those people, they don't choose Jesus. The wrath of God is just building and building. Not on, not, it's not designed for them, but it's on their sin. If you're attached to your sin, you're going to pay for it. It's deadly. And he's saying your stubbornness is actually like a dam that's now retaining all, every sin is now you're going to have to pay for. Yikes. Romans 6, or chapter 2, verse 6, God will repay each person according to what they have done. To those who persist uh, by persistence in doing good, seek glory, honor, and immortality. He will give eternal life. But for those who are self-seeking and who reject the truth and follow evil, there will be wrath and anger. There will be trouble and distress for every human being who does evil, first for the Jew and then for the Gentile, but glory, honor, peace for everyone who does good, first for the Jew, then for the Gentile. For God does not show favoritism. Now, watch this. Okay, talking this, this concept, Mark introduced it to us uh, last week. Is it first for the Jew? It just means they were first. They're first in line. So God came to them first, and then to the Gentile. It's not first as in better, because none of this is better than the others. He says, I show no favoritism, okay? First for punishment, <laughs> not so nice. Doesn't matter if you get spanked first. You get spanked second, what does it matter? <laughs> like, you're going to get spanked. 
I choose life. I choose life, right? I don't want a spanking. It doesn't matter if I'm first or second. Sometimes it's worse to go second. I'm like, oh, I look bad. <laughs> I'm always like, can I go first? Okay. Then second is this whole concept of like the blessing is like this. Sometimes we think the blessing is going to be better for them because they're first. It's not saying that. Just saying that the love that, that he came to them and then through, and we all know this through the chosen people of God, the Jews, God blessed them and doesn't retract any blessing and favor he gave to the Jewish people. He only sends his son through them and now access to him to be a child of God is through Jesus. And all of us come the same way. All right, so some people take some of this stuff and they do this replacement theology where they now say, oh, Jews are no longer important and they're nothing. And actually they start to persecute Jewish people. Really bad idea, by the way. God's favor is on them as it's on us, but we all get saved one way. We're all children of God, right? First them and now all of us, thank God, right? Paul was a Jew teaching all of these principles, right? He's saying, look, we got to understand no one gets out of this. That's the point. The point is, is because you're a Jew doesn't mean you have the law and now you get free. You don't get free. Look at what happens here. I, I want you to see this first. The wages of sin is death. Okay, Romans 6, this is a little bit farther on, but I want to just drop this in here. It's so you get how deadly sin is. The wages of sin is death. It's just, there's, there's nothing good from sin. We don't want to have to pay for it. But here's, here's one of the things I want you to get right here. Is that for those that are seeking God, we have this, we have the, our judgment time when we're separated from our sin, and Linda talks about this, Linda Drake says, it's your award ceremony. How cool is that? So when you're attached to your sin, it's judgment for sin, boo. When you're detached from your sin, you're set free, and now the judgment is, it says here, on all the things you did, the good things you did, everything you invested in, you're gonna get judged on, and you get an award ceremony for that's going to be fun. You know what I don't want is when I get to that moment, I don't want, in my award ceremony, is just a participation ribbon. Thanks for playing. <laughs> it's like, oh, well, on to the next. It was like, that's how long it took in heaven. Thanks for playing. Glad you made it in. See you later. No, when it's Josh Hanner's time, Dude, I'm working for this. Dude, I want it to be a party. I mean, I want it to be a week long. I want it to be a month long. All y'all sitting around my banquet table, and we're eating, and we're talking about all the stuff I did. You don't talk about it here. I don't want to hear it here. When we go there, I want that reward, that eternal one that goes on forever, and my party's going on forever. That's what I want. We'll eat, we'll talk. I'll say, hey, it's time to take a break. We're playing golf. And we're coming back and we're talking about me some more. <laughs> yeah? Father, Son, Holy Spirit. Yeah, just brag on me. Go for it. I want to hear it. Now's the time I get to receive it all. And I, I won't be pride up there. It'll just be awesome. 
give me my award. I want medals. I want to walk in, not like a, some veterans that go, well, I participated. Some veterans walk in the room from serving in the military, and you see they're decorated and stuff's hanging everywhere. I don't know about you, but that impacts me. I go, that guy paid a cost. That medal means something. And the honor level in my life for those that have served and especially valiantly served, it's just like, you know, it's huge sacrifice. Every medal is a sacrifice. That's one of the cool things about that, right? But how about heaven? Yeah. Sign me up. Sign me up for a big ceremony. What kind of ceremony do you want? Well, I certainly don't want the ceremony where I'm attached to my sin. Wrath. I want, the, I want the, I'm detached from my sin and I get more than a participation trophy. I don't want just a button with my mom going, at least I love you. <laughs> Verse 12, all who sin apart from the law will also perish apart from the law. If you're apart from the law, your sin is deadly. All who are under the law will be judged by the law. Sin is just as deadly. Okay, They're like, this is bad news. No. You've got to put Jesus in the equation here. Without Jesus, this is bad news. This is scary. So under the law and outside the law, sin is deadly. The law exposes you to righteousness and sin. It shows you the guidelines to righteousness, and it shows you the consequence for sin. So you realize, oh, I'm a sinner, and I need something, something big to rescue me. And no sacrifice, there's not enough that can be paid that will actually make you righteous. And in the New Testament, it talks about this, that actually nothing in the law has ever helped a person become more righteous. It tells you how to get righteous, what righteousness is, but it's not helping you. The law is not the helper. The Holy Spirit is the helper. And the Holy Spirit came and filled us up. And Jesus said, hey, listen, I paid the price. I gotta go so you can have the helper. And he's gonna come help you be righteousness. And they call this imputed righteousness. It's made perfect by Christ and by his nature comes and lives inside of you and now helps you live righteous you no longer need the law on the outside because it's been placed on the inside. Not that it's not helpful. Of course, it's helpful to read the law and go, oh yeah, that's righteousness. Absolutely. But the way it's, you're going to live it is through grace. The power of God living in and through you. That's the bicep. Boom. Going to make you strong on the inside. The law doesn't do that for you. It shows you where you are terrible. And that's That's helpful. It, it like, it's a guide, but it's not helping you. All right. So here's the key, and this is where we want to kind of anchor in here, is, is we want to be detached from our sin. All right? So actually, I didn't finish reading that one. I'll, let me finish reading all the rest of this. Okay, I, I stopped at verse 13 here. So verse 13. It is not those who hear the law who are righteous in God's sight, but it's those who obey the law who will be declared righteous. Indeed, when Gentiles who do not have the law do by nature things required by the law, they are a law for themselves even though they do not have the law. 
they show that the requirements of the law are written on their hearts, their consciences, also bearing witness, and their thoughts, sometimes accusing them, and at other times even defending them. This will take place on the day when God judges people's secrets through Jesus Christ as my gospel declares. All right. So this is kind of a cool little passage where, you know, we realize that the law, of course, we're talking about this already. It's like it exposes, tells you what sin is. But even if you don't have the law and you grow up, like I grew up zero church, never been to church, but I knew it was right and wrong. Like in my heart, I knew it was wrong to murder people. And I never opened a Bible. Never even went to a church service. Nobody ever told me what the Ten Commandments were. I didn't know squat about that. Zero. Never even heard of that thing until I got saved at 16 years old. Can you believe that? In America. Happened though. So I, I, I wouldn't have that going on in my life because of what the Bible taught or my, parent, my, like my parents would teach me kind of what was right and wrong. But in my heart, I knew. My parents weren't Christians. So I just knew this isn't right. This is what he's talking about. In your heart, you know certain things are wrong. And if you do those, you know, you realize you're missing the mark. But the big point here is that all of it is all sin. And none of that stuff, your conscience, nor does the law, if the law is your conscience or in your internal conscience is your conscience because you don't have the law, none of that saves you. None of that rescues you. None of that pays the price for sin because it says the wages of sin is death. How does that get paid? Well, there's no excuse. He's saying in this whole passage, there's no excuse. There's no place to hide. There's no place to run from your sin. It's attached to you. Stuck on you. Right? So I have a little object lesson here that we're going to do. My bride can come help me. This is my wife, Joni, if you don't know her. We're almost 22 years married. We're getting close here. Right? And she knows that I've got a few sins, a couple so these little, these are little sin dealios. I don't like that one. She likes that one. Sometimes sin is uncomfortable. Sometimes sin is uncomfortable, she says. Okay. All right. I probably don't have any more sins than that. That's probably all I've ever done. Yeah. She might know different. Okay. Well, easy now. Okay. So this is what I want you to get is your sin is attached to you. When you're born, you're born into it. And so wherever I go, it goes. I can't get away. I can run, but I can't hide over. Right? That freaking you out? I can go way back here. What's up, dude? You look godly, but you probably sinned before. I can't get away. I can run, but I can't hide. No matter how fast I go or where I go, where does my sin go? And there's nothing I can do to get it off myself. It doesn't come off, right? So how in the world are we going to get this stuff off of us? You can't say, well, you sin worse than me. You have 20 more than I do. And I try to hide them in my pockets and pretend like they're not there. That's what he's talking about here. That doesn't change anything, right? There's no other person that can take this sin off of you, you can't get it off. You're stuck. So what are you going to do? Huh? <laughs> so Jesus did a pretty sweet thing. We look here. Look at Hebrews. Hebrews says this. 
This will take place. Okay, wait. This is the covenant I will make with them. After that time, says the Lord, I will put my laws in their hearts and I will write them on their minds. And then he adds, their sin and lawless acts I will remember no more. And where these have been forgiven, sacrifice for sin is no longer necessary. He just, he never remembers it anymore. What does that mean? That means you are literally detached. When you get forgiven, you give your heart to Jesus, the wages of sin is death. But the gift of God is eternal life through Christ Jesus because God's wrath is destined for what? Sin. I think she put, she put a sneaky one back here. The hidden sin. Ooh, that'll get you. Good thing we don't have to try to find all the sin. He's the sin seeker. He's the sin magnet. He absorbed it all into himself. And he literally detaches himself from this vile pile. Ooh, that was cool. Of sin. It's a vile pile. Just making stuff up. Here we go. But what you need, what I need, is to be detached, set free, set apart. Because where's God's wrath? Towards sin, not people. Sin burned up. Check it out. His wrath goes and it actually strikes the sin, burns it all up. Watch. It's gone. He forgets it. How does he forget it? He's not just forgetting what you do right now or have done. It's whatever you could possibly do. It's all sin. You're permanently detached from it. Even if I start doing that sin again, pick up that lustful thought, pick up that stealing or lying or whatever it happens to be, and I try to behave like it, I can't ever be attached to it again. Because I'm detached. And nothing can separate me from the love of God. I've been covered with Jesus Visqueen, with Jesus Vaseline, with like silicone, whatever you want to think about. I'm slippery now. Sin is slips off me. I'm no longer responsible for the eternal consequences of that sin because look, Romans 10 says this, whosoever calls on the name of Jesus will be saved. Anyone, everyone, no one's excluded. There are no terms and conditions. It's Jesus and Jesus only. He's the Savior. He's the separator, the divider of your sin. Now, if I pick up that sin and I start to live by it, I'm going to reap its consequences right now in my body, right now. And that's not going to be fun. There's going to be bad things that happen in my relationships and in my life. And even in some of these passages, like Mark read it before, it, uh, when he's talking about homosexuality, is that within your own body you're going to reap the consequences. Not good. We don't want to have anything to do with sin. It's deadly. But the amazing thing about God's love, his mercy, his kindness, his forbearance, is that he truly separates us from our sin by his power and his power alone. By his grace, his grace alone. That is called mercy. Oh, do we want mercy? 
over judgment. It's beautiful. But what you need is a separation. And we need to never think ever, ever again. And if we ever do, man, God, will you catch us? Thinking judgmental thoughts over another believer because the way they live. Any person because the way they live. Because if I do, then what I'm saying is, oh, I want that for me too. How, how is that love? Separate me from this hate. And God, I don't want to have contempt for what you have truly done for me. Amen? And I want, to, I want to just fall in love with how amazing it is that God separated me from his sin. And from that place of love, God, I want to live in righteousness with you. And I don't want to have anything to do with it because it is not good for me. We're going to read on as, as Romans goes that talks about how that life of love and that life of, uh, uh, of God's grace moving in our life actually empowers us way beyond what any rules or regulations could ever do pointing out our sin. I, I want to make sure we're breaking judgment off this church. And I don't feel like we're a judgmental church. But don't we want to make sure? <laughs> I love this church and I feel like a real, it's always felt like a really good vibe to me. But you know what? We don't want the enemy to ever get a foothold in our life. And you know your own heart. I know my own heart. And I know that I've judged people before. Maybe you've done the same. So can we just collectively repent before we leave today and just ask God to do something new and renew our hearts, our minds, that we would live differently. So we want to be a special people set unto God. So let's pray. Jesus, change me now. Forgive me for any judgment I've harbored in my heart towards others. And God, I want to be, a, I want to be your glorious church. I want to be, have love filling my heart, not hatred. I don't want to have contempt for what you sacrificed and did for me by judging others. God, I want to be full of your love and mercy as you are full of love and mercy for me. So God, help me to love the way you love. Help me to see the way you see. Bless my life. Bless those that don't measure up. <laughs> God, just bless me because I don't measure up. Help us all. Fill us with your spirit, God, and empower us to love and to live in righteousness and not slip into sin, but live in love. In Jesus' name, amen. Amen. I'm just gonna pray a blessing before we head out here. So Father, in the name of Jesus, thank you so much, God, for everything you're doing, God. You're so good. You're such, such a good, good Father, God. And we just pray for your blessing over our church. God, let us experience the power of your presence and your glory and your love for us. God, bless this church. I pray that this week, that people will reach out, that our church, we will reach out and begin to bring new people that don't know you to church every week to experience your love. God, will you just inspire us to do that? Will you lead us to lead others into a relationship with you? In Jesus' name, amen. God bless you. Thanks for listening. If you enjoyed this message, please connect with us at abbotloop.org and like us on Facebook. Services in Anchorage, Alaska are at 9 and 11 a.m. We hope to see you soon.